Thank you for tuning in to The Ilona Effect. This show is a one-on-one interview with a woman who spent a majority of her life as a heroin addict. We will discuss the strong grips of addiction and how it affected her relationships with family, marriage, work, and all other aspects of her life. Our subject will be interviewed by her estranged son, the son who was abandoned as an infant and left for her parents to raise. His mother has agreed to tell the complete and honest truth, no matter how hard it will be to hear. So was it juvenile hall first, mm-hmm. then foster home? No. Um, and then it Catholic was juvenile school? hall for. I don't know how many times, like maybe five, six times, and they would let me go home each time, and I would be on probation. And then um, as I kept coming back, the consequences got higher. Like I told you, I had a 60-day commitment, and then I was sent to a foster home where I climbed out the window after two days. And I was sent to that University of the Mounds Catholic Girls School run by nuns, which I ran away from on a weekend pass with with Grandma and So that was an escalation of... Right. And then um, after that foster home incident, I hadn't been home for so long. I just wanted to go home. And I told them, if you let me go home, I, I promise I'll be good. And they did, and I was. Whenever For I, how long? I quit running away from then on. Um, when, whenever I would put my mind to something like that, positive, I would do it. Like when I was in junior high school at Peter Lassen, and I was like all rebellious, and I didn't want to learn, and I was a pain in the butt to the teachers and stuff. And then all of a sudden, I just decided I'm going to be good. And um, I remember one time my science teacher, he um, he took each of the kids up. It was it was time for report cards, and he wanted to. Um, see what we thought we were would get and what he was giving us and I had improved a lot you know mm. and I thought well let's see he had given me an A and an excellent for um what is that how you behave citizenship yeah okay. that one and so anyway whenever I put my mind to stuff I could do it it was just getting my mind there. <laughs> so do you have any any crazy memories of when you were in juvenile hall? Because you mentioned that like, the older girls like taught you how to dance and all that kind of stuff. Was there anything crazy in there? Well, in or, the summertime, they in the girls' dorm, they had like a little backyard space and it was like cement and then there was like some flowers and you know had a big old high wall anyway me and a few girls thought it'd be really cool if we helped this girl named 
help her escape. So we were out there. They let us go out there and put butter on ourselves and uh, play around with the hose and run around in our underwear back in that little part of the back. So anyway, we made a pyramid up against the, the wall and got her up to the roof. And then she took off and um, she got caught and she snitched us out. And um, she said what happened is she didn't have her glasses with her. And as she got out to Kiefer Boulevard, she started hitchhiking and one of the counselors stopped <laughs> and got her. And then she snitched us out. So I had to be in, uh, oh, it's solitary confinement, but it used to have a name for it. And it would just be a little cement room with a cement bed and a little tiny mattress and a, and a metal sink and toilet. And you couldn't do anything. You couldn't watch TV or anything. The only thing you, you couldn't have your visitors. The only thing you could do was read books. So I read a bunch of Nancy Drew mysteries. <laughs> nice. So I was in there for about six days. Because you helped her escape? Yeah. Did the other girls who helped get in trouble too? Yep. And when you said that you could put butter on, what is that for? Tanning? Yeah. Oh. You guys would go, how many How many girls are there out playing or doing that? Like mm, 10, 20, 30? Yeah, I'd say between 10 and 15 maybe. Are the guards or the people in charge men or women or both? They're counselors and they're women. Okay. So when they did, they do roll call so many times during the day and then they found out she was missing and then we went on lockdown. Were you scared? Yeah. How old, how old were you at this visit? <laughs> I don't know, 13, 14, early teens. And whose idea was it for her to go? Yeah, I think it was... Just everybody? Yeah. Did she say that she wanted to go? Yeah. And you said, let's <laughs> just, we're going to pile up, you can climb on us and get out? Yeah. And so was she in her underwear when she... No, she had her clothes oh. on. Okay. You didn't have to be in your underwear oh, okay. to be out there. Like if you wanted to play in the water or whatever that was, okay. Because you said you were in juvenile hall on oh. and off for years, right? Well, from about 12 to... Fifteen, three years. I was in and out a lot. Were a lot of the same girls in and out too? Like you knew yeah, all of yeah. them? And then when you were out, did you hang out with the same girls when they were out, Um, or? Just a couple of them. Like my friend Sandy that lived in San Francisco that I ran away to on that weekend pass from the girls' school. And then there was another girl out. I went to her house. They had a big, beautiful home. Like it was like in Carmichael or something, and it was like back in the hills, you know, forest. What were those girls in for? The same kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, they had this one girl in there 
16 years old and married with a kid, and she was in there for murder. Really? Mm-hmm. Who did she murder? Who was it? I think it was like, it was a family member, like maybe her father-in-law or brother-in-law or something like that. Do you know this? how did she kill them or why? Did you talk to her? Or she was just there? Yeah, I don't really... Yeah, I talked to her. She was a real pretty girl. Um, but I don't remember her going into any details. And then there was this other girl that her and her mom were like a, a team. And um, they either murdered somebody too or they hurt somebody really bad. And they had a, a they had a lineup, and the and the person, one of the witnesses came to, to view the lineup to see if they could, see who it was. And I was part of the lineup. You were in the lineup. Yeah, because she was a heavy set girl, and so was I. Was that scary? <laughs> or because you knew you weren't, you yeah. didn't do it. Are those two different girls? Yeah. Do you know their names? Did you know their names? I did, but I don't remember. So she was 16. She murdered somebody. She was in juvenile hall. Right. And she was married and had a little baby. She was married at 16? Mm-hmm. And maybe she was 17. And they used to have this counseling session, and me and Grandma and Grandpa used to go to it, and she'd go to it with her husband and it was called have you ever heard of it? it's called pac parent adult child and then it shows the dynamics of how i may have seen something like yeah. that i guess at 16 years old if you murder somebody what what happened after that goes to prison know. or don't know usually they give give you into a um like a juvenile prison um till you're 25 Anything else in juvenile hall? Mm. Any good memories, bad memories? Because you said that yeah, we you used had to have fun. And- we used to dance and sing and bake cookies and go to um, home ec classes and make things. Yeah, it got to be like it's a second home, sort of. I guess if you're going there that often, you're not afraid to go there. You're almost looking forward it's to going like, there. I don't know if you're looking forward, but it's like... Mm. It's not bad while you're there. <laughs> I had never... I've never been to juvenile hall, so I think Grandma scared the crap out of me. Probably telling me what well, you me. did. <laughs> yeah. So even now, when I think of having to go to jail... Mm. I have no desire to yeah, I'm afraid I'm really afraid a, jail is a big deterrent for me <laughs> a but big even, one but even juvenile hall as a kid I had friends who would go there not a lot but they like I don't know what they were doing they were like stealing cars or you yeah. know and they were in juvenile hall and I remember thinking I'm so afraid I don't even you know I was like <laughs> I don't even want to be friends with them afterward because <laughs> I don't want to go there. Yeah. And it's probably a lot of things that you see on TV and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, it sounds like you really didn't care too much or you didn't care enough to not do the things that got you there because it wasn't strict. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't scary enough or strict enough there or something. Or do you think that you wanted just to be away from the family? I just wanted to be able to do whatever the hell I wanted to do. I just wanted to be able to do whatever the hell I wanted to do. And you were okay to pay the price of going to juvenile hall Mm -hmm. to do it. And then when you were there, you wanted to get go home. Yeah, of course. So where were you when you said, if you let me go, I won't do this anymore? Was that... I was in juvenile hall, and I had a probation officer, and I told her, look, it's been so long since I've been home. I said, if you give me a chance, I said, I'll go and I'll be good. And I was, and I got off probation after a year or two, and it was all smooth sailing for me. How long were you in at that point? When you... I don't remember. Like a month, two months? This was right after I ran away from that foster home. Okay. Let's talk about the foster home. And I knew for sure I didn't want to be in a foster home. That I knew. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. It was uncomfortable. You know, you don't know the people. It's just... I didn't like it. So what led up to that? The way you explain it is... You were in juvenile hall over and over, mm-hmm. and they had to escalate the punishment right. or something. And they said, okay, this time you're going to a foster home. Right. So tell me about that. Okay, it was this man, husband and wife, and they were like in about their 50s or so, and they did foster care, and... They have another girl there, and it was a girl named Nona that I that I knew from juvenile hall, and I couldn't stand her. Nobody could stand her, and she was like my foster sister. And uh, so it's already starting off bad. Yeah, and How- then and then I was gonna have to, the following they. Whatever day I got there, like a Wednesday or whatever day it was, they let me stay home until the following Monday. I was going to start school, and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go to a new school and have to remake friends, and I was scared, and I had low self-esteem, and I didn't want to go. So that all had to do with me running away. So how long were you supposed to be at the foster home for? I don't remember. I didn't say. And does your parents at this point have any say in that? Or they were just like, take her because she's out of control? Well, they can say what they want to say, but it's ultimately up to the judge. I mean, the parents say what they want to say. I say what I want to say. The probation officer says what they want to say, and the judge... How's the what, ultimate power? What did your parents say? Do you remember? Were they there to... I guess the question is, were they trying to keep you out of going to foster home? Or were they for it because you were out of control? Mm-mm. They wanted you to come home? And are you... Is this all in a courtroom when everybody's talking? Are you there when they're there? Yeah. Do you remember anything that was said in there? 
No, all I know is that last time they let me go home, and then I was good after that. Okay. I didn't return. So then you're in court, you get sentenced to go to a foster home. Mm -hmm. So you go to a foster home right? with this Nona lady girl who you mm, don't like. Yeah. What happens when you're there? Nothing, really. Like I said, I didn't have to go to school. So I just hung out. Nona's mother came one time to visit her, and they met up like a burger stand or something, and I went with her. And you were only in there two days? I thought it was two, but now thinking back, I think it was like three or four. Are you locked in the house, or can you go mm -mm. outside? No, just like a regular home. And you have, is there like curfews or rules, like you have to be inside by mm, a certain there time? There was rules. Um, I don't remember anything about curfew. Tell me how you ran away. Um, our bedroom, me and Nona's bedroom, was in the back of the house. It went into the backyard. And you shared a bedroom? Yes. Okay. And I took out the screen and I crawled out the window and ran. Did she know you were leaving? Yeah. Did she say anything to them or just... I'm sure after I left, she did. Was it at night? Yeah. Like in the middle of the night? No, but it was like late. It was dark out. And where'd you go? I went to a phone booth and I called Grandma. What's okay? Where is this house? This house then? I think it was like in the Carmichael area. Okay, so it was in Sacramento. Yeah. But not walking distance. No. No. Okay, so tell me about that. So I called Grandma crying and told her I didn't want to be in there. And so I think she came and got me, and then probably the probation officer came and got me and took me back to juvenile hall and that's when I promised I'd be good if they let me go home. When you went to the payphone, were you at a store or do you remember No, any? it was one of those booths like they used to have. Just you out on the street those? somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. And then you she came and got you and you went home and then back to juvenile hall? I think or? so, yeah. She had a report that I was home and then I'm I think my probation officer came and took me back. So you went back to juvenile hall, and that was when you said, if you let me go home, I'll be good. And yeah. how did that work out? It was, it they was let good. You go? I went. Did they make you stay there for a while first, or did they just say? Yeah, yeah you, have to, you have to be there a while before they set you a court date. So they set a court date mm -hmm. for you to see if you could go back home. Right. And you did? They let yes. you? What do you think made you change? What, what happened in your head that made you change? I think I was just tired. Tired of running around? Yeah, tired of all of it. And how old were you then? When I was tired of all of it, I was probably about 15. Maybe even a little younger, maybe 14 and a half or something like that. And you went home and you were good. Right. For how long? Forever. Forever? <laughs>
I don't know about that. Well, no. For a little while. Yeah. So you went home. You stayed out of juvenile hall. When was the San Francisco girls' school? Was that before the foster home? Oh, it was before. Okay. Was there anything that you remember about that place? Because you were there for a no, long time, there, right? Well, I was there for some months before I ran away. Okay. How uh, was, how was that experience there? Was it different? In juvenile hall? Yeah, or? it was sort of fun. They, like, let you smoke after um, meals. And um, I got my ears pierced there. And I Were learned... you supposed to get your ears pierced? Like, they did it? Or you? Yeah. some girl well, with a they, pin did a it? A girl would do it. But, no, I, I had permission. You had to get permission okay. from your parents. And this girl took a potato and put it behind my ear, and then she took a, a sewing needle, you know, kind of, mm -hmm. and she stuck that sucker in there. Did you cry? And they were uneven. I don't think so. Anything else there that you remember that stands out? Yeah, I learned how to make pumpkin pies from scratch. Nice. Oh, I, I learned how to type there, too. I could type like 60 words a minute. Wow. So it was kind of like... And that was not electric. That was on right. standard That's typewriter. impressive. So that was more like a reform school then, right? Right. You're out of juvenile hall. You're out of the house, whatever that house was. The mound. And then you're out of reform school and you're home. Right. You've turned a page. You're going to be good. I have. And you're 14 and a half? About that, yeah. All right. So what happens in your life then? Hmm. Well, I think we should rewind for a minute okay. and talk about San Francisco when I was running away. And I was like only about 13 years old. And I shot up dope for the first time. And I was, Heroin? No, it was speed. They used to call it speed, methamphetamines, mm. but they used to call it speed. And um, it's weird because I was always afraid of needles. Um, I remember when we had to go to the Sacramento Army Depot on Fruit Ridge Road. Did you ever go there with Grandma? Mm -hmm. And we had to get our vaccines to go to Germany. And, um, oh, I screamed and cried and threw a fit and all these orderlies were trying to hold me down and I ran out and I hid behind a car and the orderlies came out looking for me because I was so scared to get shots and then I ended up shooting up dope a couple of years later wow. and I was in this I was on Market Street and I was in this can you put that somewhere else it's too loud and I, um, and it was this seedy hotel on Market Street, and it was upstairs. And you're 13? Yeah. And you were alone in San Francisco? Well, like you ran away? Yeah. Okay. And um, I was with some random, random guy I had met, and he had some speed, some cranks, some methamphetamines. So we, the... In the seedy hotel we were in, the 
bathroom, like the rooms and the bathrooms would be in the hallway. Everybody would have mm-hmm. to use them. So we were in this little tiny bathroom and I remember turning my head and closing my eyes and I just stuck my arm out like that and he tied me off with a belt or something and he shot me up for the first time. Wow. (laughs) How old was that guy? No, I don't know. He's probably in his 20s. How do you come across this person? How do you come across these people when you're They're alone? all out on the street. We're all just... looking for each other. <laughs> what are you doing prior to that? Just running the streets. What does that mean? Panhandling, um, hanging out, going to a concert. Um, like, are you smoking and drinking and all this Mm-hmm. All that stuff, yeah. like throughout the day, and yeah, acid, masculine, pot. And how are you? How do? Do you have money, or do they just people yeah. just give well, it? Well, people you? give it to you, and then I used to panhandle too. You know what that is? Don't yeah, you? yeah. Uh, well, maybe you can tell me what it is. If it's <laughs> something different. It's when you beg for money on yeah. the streets. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're with this guy who's. An adult, you're 13. How do you? What's the conversation before? Like, hey, you want to go shoot up? Want to go get high? I don't remember. Probably. So okay, prior to this, mm-hmm. what? Because you've never shot up anything before, right? Before this, okay. So what? So before that, it's pot, acid, everything, just everything. A garbage can for drugs, I was. Okay. All right, so you're in this seedy hotel, (laughs) shared bathroom. We weren't even staying there. You just snuck in to get into the bathroom. And I'm sure it's filthy and disgusting. Yeah. And so you put your arm out, you close (laughs) your eyes, you turn away, and you trust, you're trusting this stranger to shoot you up with something. Right. And what happened after he did that? Just went on my merry way. <laughs> I don't With remember him? exactly what I did. Or just took off? I, I'm sure we hung out for a while. And what does it feel like? I mean, what is that first time? At a rush. An adrenaline rush. Does it, did it hurt your arm? It's just no, so quick. No, I just was scared of the needle. Okay. I never thought I'd be a, a junkie because I was so scared of needles. And so you get you do that, you get a rush. How long does it? How long does that last? Well, the rush just is like momentarily, but then you're all wired up, can't sleep. For how long? Running around depends on how much you do. Yeah. I remember one time I did so much and I bit been up for days and I was hallucinating and stuff and I I went to the free clinic and I told them hey I need to come down off this I need some sleep I'm hallucinating and stuff and they gave me some pill and it knocked me out for like three days was that in your adult life like later on in life or in no, that same that was amount in of San Francisco 
So after you had that first one, was that it? Was that the new, you had to do that? No. That was the new normal? Uh-uh. The new way to get high? No? Yeah, it was, but I mean, I pretty much did it all. You know, whatever was there. Didn't matter. Right. Whatever was available at the given moment. Correct. <laughs> do you have any thoughts of why you were doing that? Well, because just to just to go back a little bit, you didn't have a bad childhood. There wasn't like I mean, there was mental abuse, I guess, with the weight and being made fun of. Besides that, unless it was very excessive, everything else was pretty normal, right? Well, I don't know if you call it normal, but I mean, it, it wasn't abusive or right. But it, you, after listening to everything from last time, it seems like you just had this in your spirit. You weren't, there wasn't a lot of things that happened to make you that act like that. You just, you were born with that or something. Well, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of different factors contribute to it. Um, this counselor once told me, well, in the family, in the role, you know how, People are different roles, mm -hmm. and I used to be the scapegoat. Right. It was like, you know, everything was perfect except for me, and that wasn't true, right. you know. And uh, that counselor told me when you play the role of the scapegoat, you get to a point where you rebel. So that was, a, that was going back a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So from that point, so you're 13 at that point, and by the time you're out of juvenile hall and don't want to be there anymore, you're almost 15. So that's a couple of years in between, right? Mm -hmm. So are you doing drugs that whole time? And is that why? I guess one of my questions would be, when you're going to juvenile hall, it's because you're running away and what else? Incorrigible. What does that mean? What did that mean? It's, you can't, they can't make you do anything. Like uncontrollable? Mm-hmm. Say you ran away and some and somebody found you and caught you. Are you just out of your mind screaming, yelling, kicking, fighting? or Sometimes. Because of drugs? No, because I... I didn't want to go. <laughs> but during those times, were you under the influence of something? Oh, probably. Okay. So let's talk about when you're out of juvenile hall for a while, and you you made up your mind that you want to be good mm -hmm. and stay out of there. Mm -hmm. So what do you do for that for that amount of time? And how long is it? Well, I go to school at... Peter Lassen, which is now Johnson West Campus. And I graduate from junior high school. And I'm ready to go into high school the next year at Sacramento High School. And um, it's summertime after I graduate from ninth grade. So Peter Lassen was ninth grade. So junior was, high was 7, was 8, and seventh, 9? It was 7th, 8th, and 9th back then. And then high school was 10th, 11th, and 12th back then. So um, 
I graduate from junior high. It's summertime. I'm going to um, Johnson Main Campus during summer school to take driver's education so I can get my driver's license when I turn 16. Mm -hmm. So I'm living on 26th Avenue. I graduate from ninth grade. I'm like 15 some year, 15 years old. And um, did did you know where um, South Bowl Bowling Alley was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to bowl there well, as a kid. That used to be the place where the teenagers used to hang out and go smoke weed and whatever. So I, I walked up there and was hanging out with some of the um, people up there. People and, you know, like your friends? or Yeah, acquaintances, yeah. you know. So anyway, I decide to go home. It's dark outside. It's summertime. And I'm walking through the the parking lot. And this yellow Volkswagen Beetle pulls up with three guys in it. The driver, John Davis. And uh, asked me if I want to go get high. And, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. So you're 15. You're leaving the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's nighttime, mm-hmm. like dark. Like, yeah, it's not real late. Maybe like about 8, 9 o'clock. Okay. So I hop in the yellow Volkswagen bug. And um, we go to um, the state co- Sacramento State College. And we go on to the campus. And there's like, like tables you know out there like a little park so we're drinking beer and and smoking dope and okay let me before you go before you keep going so in the car driving is john davis Mm -hmm. and there's two other guys right and do you you don't know these are complete strangers guys okay so you get in the car Mm -hmm. and you're driving yeah what are you doing in the car just talking. Okay. Where are you sitting? In the front seat. Okay. And then there's two, two guys, guys in the in back. back. And John was driving. Did you, and you didn't feel threatened at all to mm-hmm. get into a car with strangers? Oh, I was used to. Okay. All right. Continue. So you're at the college. Yeah, we're at the college smoking dope and drinking. What are you drinking? Beer. And, um... He told me he'd just gotten back from Vietnam, and he was so good-looking. I mean, he was fine, and I wanted him. And so anyway, we went driving around and talking and BSing, having a good time and stuff, and it comes to a point where we, we drop his friends off. And uh, he goes by his house, so I see where he lives, and the friends live down the street, over there behind, uh, across the street from Bel Air on Fruit Ridge Road on the other side behind there. Mm-hmm. And um, so him and I end up going to the DeVille Motel on Stockton Boulevard and having sex. So... Um, that was pretty much it. It was like a one-night stand. There was no relationship, just 
sex. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, he, he took me home and stuff. And about a month later, because Grandma used to have a calendar behind her door in her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And she used to always mark down the day that my menstrual started. Why did she do that? Keep track, I, I guess. And okay. then she'd mark X's for how many days I had it. So anyway, I was always real regular. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have a period. And it was like, oh. Do you think she did that because she was afraid of you getting pregnant? Yeah. Okay. She, she knew what was going on. So... Okay. Before okay, before this, what is your sex life like? I mean, were, were you a virgin this at this day? Okay. No. So, when did cuz I last time you said that you started being interested in boys early mm-hmm. on like mm-hmm. 11 or 12 or something like that. Yeah, 12. So, I, I feel like having a cigarette. Do you smoke? No. Oh. (laughs) Then don't. Do you have cigarettes? No. (laughs) Okay. This is a really, this is a very important part, but I want, I'm curious as to when you started being, or like when you lost your virginity. and When I was started being sexually active? Yes. That's a good way to put it. Okay. I, you used to hang out at the Greyhound bus depot, which was down on 7th and L Street. And that's where all the seedy characters and drug addicts and prostitutes and runaways and everybody hung out. That's downtown Sacramento. Right. So I was a runaway at the time. And um, inside the bus station, they like had this cafeteria. And so um, there was this great big heavy set Hispanic guy, and he started talking to me, and he asked me if I was interested in a babysitting job, and they would pay me some nice amount, I forget what it was, maybe $50, $60 a weekend, which back then was a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm running the streets and and I go sure so he took me to this house in um, West Sacramento and and how old are you I'm about 13 okay and um, his girlfriend it was his girlfriend's house but she didn't live there she stayed with him and she had this um, this big, heavy set Hispanic old woman that lived there and took care of her three daughters, which were Virginia, Valerie, it was three of these, and Vicky. And they were like stair steps, like maybe four, five, six, something like that. So. I was over, I'd go over there on the weekends. He'd come pick me up at the bus depot and take me over there on the weekends so the 
the regular babysitter can have the weekends on, and I'd stay with the three little girls. Okay. For the By week. yourself? Yeah, me and the three little girls. Okay. So, anyway, there was some um, kids running the, you know, neighborhood, you know, my kind of kids getting high and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And um, one day I was... Um, the kitchen windows from the house were facing each other. So I was in the kitchen doing the dishes in the kitchen window. And one of the teenage boys started flirting with me from next door. Anyway, so he ended up coming over after the kids went to sleep. His name was Kent. I remember his name was Kent. And... um He was probably, you know, like 16, 17, I don't know. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing, so I think we had sex. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So that's where that started. That's where the sexual addiction started. (laughs) Did you continue to go to that house and babysit? Yeah, for a while. What do you, where do your parents think you are? Do they know what you're doing? I'm a runaway. I was a runaway. So you weren't going back home? No. Where were you going during the week? Now, I don't know, staying in different places, running the streets. So at 13, you're not even going home at night. You're, no. you're, you're, you're hanging out. You're, so you're, baby, you're a 13-year-old babysitting three kids for an entire weekend. Right. No adults come to that place. No. Which is strange. <laughs> Why do you do you know why there weren't adults there? Cuz the the mother of the children okay, her boyfriend, the big heavy set Hispanic guy who offered me the job in the first place, he had a lot of money and he like owned a bar and you know they were into that kind of lifestyle and so she went and stayed with him and lived that lifestyle and had this house for her daughters with this Who big, was the heavyset woman? Just Her name was I mean was that was she related Madeline. or just a babysitter? Madeline. She was a babysitter okay. and she was mean to those kids. How old did how old is this guy and this Did you ever meet the woman? The mom? Yeah, yeah. How old were they? Oh, I'd say she was like in her thirties and he was older, maybe forty five, fifty. So you're babysitting on the weekends. You're there like Friday through Sunday, Friday night, Sunday night. Right. How are you relieved? Who comes? Does the other babysitter show up? Yeah, Monday she comes morning. Back, I think Sunday night. Okay. And then you just, I mean, how are you getting around? I mean, you're in West Sacramento. It's not like that's close. I, you just know hitchhiking. What? Or? I pro- I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that. Guy gave me a ride home. I don't, oh. I don't remember. Okay. But you weren't going to your parents' house? No. I was runaway. And you don't remember where you would stay? Like where you... Just different random places. Like people's houses? Mm-hmm. People that you would meet? And... Mm-hmm. So are you now, every time you go back on the weekends, are you hanging out with that boy? I think a couple of times. Okay. So from that point, that was the first time, right? So you're 13. And then when you're with 
my biological father, you're 15 and a half. So that's like two and a half years in between, right? Now, the thing with this, Jason, is when I found out when I was pregnant by the calendar and stuff. Right. So we're going to go back to the grandma's calendar. Yeah. Your mom's. Now, I was... I was running around, doing a lot of stuff, doing a lot of drugs, sleeping around. And um, so when I found out I was pregnant, you know, I had to, I mean, I wasn't in a relationship with anybody, so I had to think long and hard about who I'd been with. And who I came up with was John Davis. And... Um, how many other people do you think there were? I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe, Ballpark. Maybe two more. Um, maybe. But he's the only one I could remember. So the uh, so when you're with other people, are you just you're stoned and drunk and out of sorts and just having sex and not? Is that what is that what you're saying? Yeah. Now you you can't remember because you don't know who it was. Or when it was, or... No, the only one I could think of was him. Right. But there are other people... There might have been. I'm not so sure. So you don't know. Okay. So that's why I'm not 100. I'd say I'm 90% sure. Right. But, um, and especially when you were born, you looked like him. Yeah, the blonde hair and the blue eyes and... You look like him. Hmm. So, but it's not 100%. Okay. So, let's talk about... So, it's a one-night stand at a hotel on Stockton Boulevard. You're 15 and a half. It was July. I'm just doing backwards yeah. math from when yeah. I was born. It was around July. Okay, so it's summertime. You don't see him... You don't have his phone number or anything like like it wasn't well, like here I call found, me. Let's he be. didn't give me the phone number, but back in the day they had phone books and everybody was in the phone book with their name and address and phone number. And you knew his name. Did you know his name? Yeah, or you I just... knew. I knew his name. I looked up the Davises. I would get some liquid courage in me. Once in a while, after you were after you were born, and I called him up, I'd be drunk and we'd call up his parents at two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And tell them about you. What did they say? I don't remember. I was drunk. And then, um, so one time I, it was weird. I had this friend named, do you remember little Jimmy? And his mother was Anne. And you and him were about the same age. I think so. Anyway, um, she always, for some reason, and I don't know 
why she was so concerned with it, but she always told me like where he was living and and this and that and the other and this big heavy set redhead and I don't remember her name I guess was seeing him and I met her and um I remember her telling me yeah I caught a cold she goes because stupid John didn't tell me to put a jacket on and I'm thinking what the hell is he doing with you you know I <laughs> mean and so anyway um one time I called the house his house his parents house there on 54th street okay and um and he's living there I'm guessing yeah okay and um his little brother answers the phone and, um, you know, I asked him, you know where he is? And he, he goes, yeah, he's at um, my sister Diane's house. And he gave me the address. The little kid gave me the address. So I went over there. And it was, it was weird because it was right down the street on Franklin Boulevard from that first house we lived in with the chickens and the ducks. It, anyway, it was back in there, and I went up, and I, I knocked on the door, and she let me in, and he was... Were you drunk or anything? I don't think so. Okay. I think I'd been up all night, though. Maybe I had been drinking. Okay. Anyway, and he was laying in bed at his sister Diane's house. And this was after you were born. Do you and, know how long after? I, you were, like few months old okay and um you know I went and I told him you got a son you know showed him pictures and he said how you know it's mine and I go because you were the only one that I've been with and and um so anyway nothing really ever came of that and then on your first birthday I called his parents' house, and I told him, I said, it's his first birthday, do you want to see him? He goes, yeah, I'm going to come over and see him. So I was all excited and stuff for him to come see you. You were so beautiful. And, uh, and so anyway, here he comes on his Harley, driving down 26th Avenue from FLA, and I'm watching out the front window, and he just keeps going, and never came back. And then I had sent him pictures of you. One of them was when you were about nine months old, I think, and you were on Santa Claus's lap. So, Was there any interaction with his parents by you? Like, did you, you didn't go over there but, or talk to them or anything like that? But at one time, I think you were in Gloria Day, and... Um, that was an ele the elementary school I went to. Right. And um, I wanted to get a hold of him for you. So I called his parents' house and I pretended like I was a worker from um, 
Johnson High School and that we were having a, a reunion and I wanted to send an invitation to him. And she says, oh, he's living, he's, he was like living someplace like by Ione or something like that, up that way. And she goes, but he doesn't want me giving out the address. So I just hung up. I shouldn't have done that, though. Why? What I should you have done? I should have worked harder on getting at least the address. But I tried. Tried what? I tried to get him involved with you. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I just made really poor choices. Well, you were a 15-year-old kid. And I feel bad about that. But I had you. And your life hasn't been all that crappy, has it? I mean... I can imagine, you know, I watch those paternity shows and and the people, they're looking for their biological parents and they talk about how it affects you, you know, them when they, they don't have like their father or mother in their life. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I didn't realize it. Believe it or not, Jason, I tried to protect you. From what? From him um, not being involved, you know? I didn't want you to feel bad, you know? That he had opportunities and he chose not to take them. Now I feel sad. Why? Because of all the poor decisions I made and you know, I've hurt you and I'm sorry. Well, I appreciate your apology. I was young and dumb. Didn't didn't think about the consequences, the outcomes, how it affected you. You know. I just, I was young and stupid. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ilona Effect. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support us, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at The Ilona Effect. Our email address is theilonaeffect at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.